listener production. Welcome along to episode 173 of the Howie Games Part B featuring Pat Cummins. Time for the second innings. So then, what we mentioned at the start, 1,946 days. So what is that, Paddy? That's over five, five It was that t- end of 2011, then I played again, start of 2017. 2017. So best part of five and a half years. And you were, what were you dubbed? You were dubbed the, um, what was it? The, were you dubbed the best paid uni student, oh, uni student. in Australia <laughs> at, at one point? So tell me about it. Tell me, you've got a taste of it. You've dominated it. You've sat there with Ricky and then... Like time and time again, you came back. Like you had back problems, stress problems. What yeah. was it like? It was just it was one problem after the other. So, you know, even growing up, I never missed a summer really. Like it was a couple of where, like last game of the summer, my back was sore, but I knew I wasn't going to have to bowl for six months. So, I never missed any cricket my whole life. And then suddenly, I'm a professional cricketer and I'm never playing. <laughs> it was like a real weird way to spend my summer. Um, so it was kind of weird. I was just turned eighteen as well. You know, gonna move. I moved out of home, mm. nineteen something, starting uni. All my mates starting uni, so it's like a real. Everything was changing in my world, and I got a taste of test cricket, and that's just where I wanted to be. But I couldn't. Um, so yeah, it was tough. Um, just kind of setback after setback. So you know, just get back from my heel injury, and I tore my side. Just get back from my side injury, and then I got a back injury, and then the back injury would reoccur. Tell me about um, the worst day. The worst day in that five years? I'd say the worst day was, so I did my back about, I think, three or four, maybe three times in that five-year stretch. What does that mean, doing your back? What does that actually uh, mean? So a stress yeah. fracture, right. essentially, which do, means- Do you feel it all of a sudden or does it just get sore? It gets, there's a couple of little warning signs and then it'll get sore to the point where you can't touch your toes and you just like real pain. Um, and then you get a scan and you see a f- small fracture line in your back. And really, if you keep bowling, it's just going to get bigger and bigger until your back snaps in half. Um, if you wait a little bit and then start bowling too early, it will heal but not as well as it should. And you know, come 31, 32, you'll have problems with it. So the good thing is I, I recovered from it more properly, but what that means is it takes a lot longer. I think the worst day was, um, so I'd, ha- I'd had a couple injuries, but through that time I still got to play for Australia in white ball cricket. So I played T20 World Cup as part of the 2015 white ball World Cup. But there was a time just before that where I got a stress fracture, waited four or five months, started bowling again, bowled for six, seven, maybe even a bit longer, you know, nine, ten months. But no cricket really. It was all in the nets. It was all about kind of building up really slowly to start playing for Australia again. And then uh, basically first game back, it was for Aussie A. I got a stress fracture again. And I could kind of cop the previous injuries when I'd played a lot of cricket or played for Australia. This one was hard because I just I hadn't even got to the stage of playing cricket again and I'd redone my back injury. So suddenly the last two years, I didn't have anything to show for it. Um, I feel like I'm starting from exactly the same spot as where I was at a few years earlier. If not, it was putting me even further behind. You know, other guys, James Pattinson, Josh Hayeswood, Starkey were all debuting around that time, doing really well for Australia, Ryan Harris, Mitchell Johnson. So I just kind of felt like I was always slipping down the queue. And, yeah, it's it just like five years in and I'm just like my body's not even close to being right for 
one day cricket, let alone test cricket. Did you have, did you get to the doubt point? Am I going to be able to do this again? Or that you just thought, no, nah, I'm going to get right? Well, I mean, the alternative was going and getting a real job. Heavens so. above. It's <laughs> a frightening alternative. So it's, it's a good motivator. Yeah. Um, you know, it was hard. I, the people around me were, were amazing. You know, Cricket Australia, medical staff were so patient with me. So, you know, the amount of time and effort they invested into me made made it so so much easier for me. You know, kept telling me stories of Mitchell Johnson and Brett Lee who'd been through the same things and had long careers come 24 years age. So uh, that, that really helped. Um, I certainly thought red ball cricket was a long way away from me. Um, just... Again, bowling 20 overs in a day was so far away from what my body felt like it could do. Um, but, yeah, never gave up. Uh, I still loved going to the SCG every day, training with the lads, kind of working on, you know, projects, trying to, um, yeah, devise what you might do differently on your as you come back. So, Well, on that very point, you, you um, blessed us by coming into commentary in, was it Adelaide? Yeah. Adelaide. Yeah. Um, with Fox and uh, I was lucky enough to be in there with Gilly and we were pumped you were in there and we showed you in your uh, first test getting your six for and you were looking at the wickets you're like oh, I can't watch that I can't watch my bowling action um, which really surprised me and then when I actually looked at it I looked at it later again I slowed it down and Kay, I was like oh right so h- how much work goes into bowling a certain way if your first 20 years of your life yeah um, and then having to change it like how difficult uh, is it? Oh, a lot. It's it? yeah. It's like so much of it's just just muscle memory. Feel you know you've been doing it for twenty years. So as soon as you throw one thing a little bit differently, you know you move your whatever you try and jump in straighter, or your whole body just moves differently to how it's been moving for twenty years. So you feel like you're in someone else's body. And for a lot of that remedial work, it's about trying to make sure that your back's in a better position, you know, it's more protected than what your old action was. And that's good for not being injured, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing for you as a bowler. Yeah, okay. So I always I I felt, like I felt like a, a real tough juggle of... Performance I versus medical benefits. Exactly. Yeah, right. you know, I, I know my action's good enough for test cricket, this this old action. This new action's pretty unproven and I'm still getting injured. So I found that really hard. It's, again, you get so much advice and well-meaning advice and it's really hard as a 20-year-old to collate all that and kind of sift through what's the good advice, what's the bad advice. And um, I think now when I look back on it, all of it's helpful, but really I was up against my body and my ticking you know, clock of my bones just were too young. Yeah, um, you're still growing. You're still growing. So I could have had the best medical staff in the world and I probably did you, you're up against it so when you come back how long how long do you think right I'm genuinely a part of this team now how many test matches like uh, Nathan Lyons a very different operator to you I asked him this the other day in the Ranger and he was like 30 or 40 tests like, well, he's like at 150 wickets by this stage uh, how, how long till you felt right I'm genuinely I'm in this team and did you not think is my back going to be okay did they come at the same time? Did one come before the other? I played a little bit of white ball cricket um, and, I, and I'd spent, say, the 2015 Ashes, I ran drinks for the whole tour. Yep. And so you're inning on the whole time, don't play a game. Yep. 
um, and and then played the white ball series after that. So I kind of felt like people like Smitty, he was captain, Davey. I'd spent a lot of time with them, even in New South Wales. So I always felt like I was part of the team, like didn't feel like I was an outsider coming in. Um, in terms of being right for my body, so in 2017 was the Border Gavaska trophy over in India. I wasn't there. I hadn't even played a first-class game in five years. Um, I was playing a shield game here, finished the game, um, my first shield game back. All felt really good. At the same time, the test match was just finishing, second test match over in India. Um, Starkey got injured. So basically after I finished that game, Smitty called me and was basically like, the selector's going to call you on the next flight over to India. Steve Smith rang you? Yeah, as right, captain. Right, He's like, don't tell anyone I, I called you, act surprised. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> act <of> pride. <laughs> um, so I was flying over to India for, you know, my second test match and I, I remember thinking then like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like I should should be really, really pumped for this. This is what the, I've been doing. In but the back of your head. I really don't know if I'm ready. I've played one game really in the last years. So, you know, played the test match. Um, I think we bowled about 6,000 overs. Yeah. <laughs> Pajara got 200 off about 600 balls. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, test match, you don't want to go in with any kind of trepidation. So I just bowled my, you know, flat out as fast as I could. And then we actually got a back scan after that game and my back was all good. I was like, miracle. How good is that? You would have been stoked when you got those results. Oh, yeah. And then, all right, you're available for the second test. So I played the second test, got another back scan after bowling quite a few overs, all clear. And I thought, wow, that, that's like, that's awesome. And then we went to Bangladesh, played two more tests, back was good, and then played a whole five test match series in the Ashes. And back was good after that. And that, I reckon it was that moment where I was like, okay, I'm sweet here. Like, I'm back. Right. I've, I can bowl lots of overs and I don't have to worry about my body. So then we get into the, the, the part of your career where you become the best test bowler in the world, which I, as modest you are, it must be nice when someone says, oh, you are the best <laughs> test bowler in the world statistically. <laughs> um, and we could go through, you know, this and that and ashes, and, um, but there's too much to talk to you about away from cricket. So I'll just ask you to give me the two different points. What's your, been your, uh, your best day on a test cricket field playing for Australia? Best day? Oh. I, I always say my favourite moment was the 2015 World Cup. Right. But I wasn't playing. No. <laughs> but it was just the just the most amazing time, um, playing in front of home crowds, playing with some legends of the game. Um, just for me, that's like as good as it gets. Where were you when Starkey knocked over McCullum? I was running the drinks. Right. Yeah. I was, did, you, did you run a drink I, out? I think I was first to high-five him. <laughs> with the drink? I had the esky with me. I remember there's just a trail of ice. I was out there that quick. I just picked up the esky and went... <laughs> I was pumped. Um, I, th- I think, you know, Ashes, maybe like Manchester Ashes. Yep. Um, 2019. Oh, my word, what a delivery that is. This is Pat Cummins. This is Australia. Absolutely at their best. The perfect delivery. Aim at the top of off. Hit the top of off. And the England captain... Just felt like I was bowling as well as I ever have. Um took some wickets, just felt like I had a real impact on some of those games. So uh, that was where we, you know, retained the trophy. Um, yeah, uh, uh, that'd be right up there, I reckon. And the flip side of the equation? Um, I think India at home. Um, 
not not the most recent one. When would it be? 2018, 2019. Yep. Um, just because I felt like we were so far off the pace. Um, I was just drained. I remember bowled heaps and heaps of overs at um, MCG. Got on a flight, flew up to Sydney, lost a toss, we're bowling again, had to bowl heaps and heaps of overs again and just, just being physically depleted. So I'd say as a bowler, yeah, those that series. Two, two quick, just the first thing that pops in your head, when Joffre Archer hit Steve Smith in the head, what did you think? I wasn't on striker's end. Yes. Oh, dear. I saw pretty quickly it was okay. So I was like, oh, I was scared, like really scared, like sprinted to him. Um, what did he say? Well, it's hard to know with Smithy because he's, he's quite eccentric, is he? Oh, you think? <laughs> so, he is. It, it's like, I think um, he's the most eccentric sports person I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was okay straight away. I, I can't really explain why, but. And what did he say? I think he was just kind of like, a bit all over the place, um, but I could tell that he was breathing and he was fine. And he was with it. I think he was just a bit more shocked than anything more serious. And, then, and then Manus came out. He came out in the second innings. Yeah. yeah. And then he got in the head as well. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. So what were you thinking when Ben Stokes was smacking you blokes everywhere? <sighs> um, this is... Great for cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're thinking, Fanny. I, I don't know if that's what you were thinking. Um, it, it felt like T20 cricket where the ball just flies around. Like you have those days where a batter just has a day out and you're powerless to it. And I felt like that. And then I kind of had to keep reminding myself, I was like, this is a test match. Like it doesn't happen in test cricket. Yeah, like how is this happening? Here we go then. The scores are level. And then, uh, yeah, just that missed opportunity. I think more than anything else, like that empty feeling of uh, we just work so hard to get in a position where we should win that game. Is that feeling for a minute, a day, an hour? Oh, probably that that night. Yeah. And then move that, on pretty quickly. That was brutal in the first series of the test when, when Tim was reviewing what was going on with Justin. Yeah. And you guys were in the room. That was... Um, well, it was captivating TV, but it must have been a difficult situation. Truth is, this could easily break us. That's what everyone else, the whole rest of the world will be saying, but it's our choice. So we're gonna do, we're gonna watch what happened yesterday and before us for no other reason except we're gonna learn. It's gonna give us the shits watching it, but we're gonna learn from it. We're gonna shake ourselves off and we're gonna get up to be ready for the next test match. Yeah, I think, Different people take different things from that. Like uh, I think, you know, you saw Jail and Tim, you know, look at it really closely being like, this is what we could have done differently. This is where we got a bit, you know, better. Actually watching it was a bit like, nah, the guy had a day out. Like, you know, we play that same game another 100 times. We're winning 99 of them. Like I, I... it sucks because the Ashes series and the series on the line and, like, these moments never happen. Um, these opportunities never come up. But 
yeah, I don't know. I've played enough to kind of feel like you've seen most things that are going to get thrown at you. Like, yeah, that was a one-off. So how do you find out who calls you to say that you're going to be the captain, the 47th captain of Australia? I think it might have been the chairman of the board. I actually can't remember. Right. Um, you know, certainly the selectors are involved. Of yeah, that was George Bailey and uh, JL, and then chairman, CEO, kind of, you know, chatting to them for a few days. Really, um, you know, Smithy and I went through a bit of a process where we, yeah, got asked questions and how we'd run the team. And so, what type of stuff do they ask you without giving away state secrets? Like, what, like, what do they say? Like, you go in, they say, right, it's a, it's a tryout to be the captain yeah. of Australia. Yeah. Um, what do they ask? It was, I've got a, I've got a slideshow somewhere. I can't quite remember exactly what's in it, but just general themes of, you know, how do you see the state of the team? How would you like things to run? Who are you? What are you about? What makes you tick? Um, what can you bring to the role? Those kind of things. Um, so it was a good process actually because it made me think of exactly those questions. And did you walk out, you know how you have like a job interview or a uni interview and you walk out the yeah. I did well, or did you think, or did you walk out thinking, oh, I don't know how that went? A little bit of how, I don't know how that went. Well, <laughs> a little bit, like, the, 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 the spend a bit of time. Again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, are they just going to call bullshit on this? <laughs> like, like, uh, it's a bit of that. Like, also, it's funny because it's not like a, I think getting selected in the side or not getting selected is a bigger job, or like a bigger deal than being captain or not. Like, well, you did say, what did you say in that first Prince comments? It's not like I did anything, I just woke up this morning. It's something along those lines is what you said. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like, oh, your whole world's going to change, stuff like that. And, yeah, it's like definitely a little bit different, but I was so okay if I, if I wasn't captain. Like I love playing cricket. <laughs> I love just yep. doing my own thing. So, like, I, I was, I think I said that in the interview, like, I, I think I can do a good job. I'm give it a you know the best crack I can. But honestly, if it's not me, it's someone else. Like no stress. Like all good. How did you handle the emotional sensitivity of the fact that it was your mate going through such a difficult time? We don't need to go and the the, re the reasons about all that. Yet you'd been provided with the greatest job in Australian sport. Yeah, so it must have been a, a balancing. Yeah. Situation. Yeah, oh, I was. Um, in some ways, uh, you know, I wasn't being pitted up against Tim. Um, so it was, it was just the situation. That, yes. That's how it was. But he, he, Tim was an awesome support for me. Like he, I wouldn't have been anywhere near as prepared to be captain if uh, no, the captain previous wasn't someone like Tim. Like he, he really did take me under his wing. In what way? Just, just help me be across things, you know, different players, what makes them tick, um, how you balance the workload, how you balance different personalities, different egos, um, just things that I kind of never really thought in depth about and it just gave me a good couple of years as vice captain under him to think of those things and if I was in that position, what would I do differently? Um, seeing his strengths, like he's an awesome people person, really brings the team together. Um, kind of see see some of those traits where I go, okay, if I'm ever captain, I'd love to do do it that way. Um, so, yeah, in some way, I, was, I felt tough uh, on Tim as a person. I feel, you know, especially in recent times, when there is something like 
that happens, just the public pile on is as great as as it's ever been. So I, I felt really sorry for Tim in that regard, and um, yeah, in some way I, I try to do my bit to say that you know, this person, you know, we all make mistakes. And, uh, yeah, I think the pile on was a bit unfair. It's an unfortunate reflection of the modern world, isn't it? That that we as a society want to just kick the boots. I don't know why it is. I'm sure it's not you as a person. I hope it's not me as a person. It's yeah, it's an unfortunate. It it is. So like the first time you put the jacket on, and you go out there. Are you like, yeah, I'm good to go here, or am I? Like, what was the previous team you'd captain? Nah, uh, under 16s, Green oh. Shield, I reckon. How'd you go? Um. And under 16 Green Shield, were you a good captain? I wasn't very media trained. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I was all right, I think. Right. Yeah, I was all right. Um, so how'd you go walking out that first time to the, to the toss thinking, right, I am the captain? Or you didn't think about it? No, I, I certainly thought about it. I, I was I, – I remember like it was a sense of I've got no idea what I'm doing here. Like there's no precedent. I can't look back at the New South Wales – team that I captained last year and no. or whatever it was you know even like the little things of what do you do at the toss who do you hand the team sheet to what do you do for a referral um so everything's different everything's all those little things that I just never had to thought think about um so I remember that day one thinking I have no idea how this is going to go I think I'm relatively prepared um but there was almost a sense of calm in that regard of like, I've got no idea how this is like, you know, people go, you know, oh, I can't, it's going to looking forward to see what kind of captain Pat's going to be. And I was like, hey, me, me and you both, like I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually remember the first session I, we bowled, won the toss bowl, uh, sorry, lost the toss, we were bowling. And I bowled my first spell and I hated it. I was like, I don't like this. I'm thinking about captaining. I'm not thinking about bowling. I don't like it. I really so, don't so like you, it. So you were not thinking about what you're doing as your job. Yeah. Ball in hand. Right. Yeah. And I remember specifically thinking, geez, I've made a mistake here. I'm not enjoying this. And then have lunch, went out bowling him out. And I was like, my second and third spell, I'd relax. And I was like, nah, okay, this can work. Yeah. 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 Fine. The, the, you use the word calm whenever I speak to any of your teammates. That seems to be the team mantra. I don't know if that's what you put on your PowerPoint presentation, but. Calmness? Uh, yeah, it's, it's something, well, you know, I try and live by. Um, and, yeah, I think I think it's resonated with the team. Like, we, we talk a lot about, you know, every game's obviously big. But if we're playing all three formats, it's it's roughly 100 days of cricket a year you're playing for Australia. So that's one in three days you're playing. It's a and, lot, isn't it, when you put it like that? And then when you think of travel, training, dinner the night before a game, well, that, you know, people might go, oh, I've got a game tomorrow, I've got to relax, you know, I've got to get my head in the game. It's it's really, it's nonstop. And if there's wasted energy, if there's misdirected energy, like it just compounds over time. So um, I, I think, you know, calm, composed, everyone's at their best. Not, not everyone, but, but I think overall people are at their best, um, certainly off the field. And then I think once you step on the field, for me anyway, it makes me able to just flick that switch better. If I'm too wide the whole time, I'm just burned out. Whereas um, if I'm kind of, you know, calm, composed, focused, methodical, know what's going on, 
I feel like when I do need to flick that switch, I'm in a better position to flick the switch. And the other thing that people need to understand, you were the first full-time captain of Australia in its history that was bowler. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of commentary from a lot of batsmen, <laughs> to be fair, um, because there's more batsmen in commentary than bowlers. That's just the way it works. Yeah. Um, you know, how's he going to do this? How's he going to concentrate on this? He doesn't understand this. And this is not a reflection on the batters that have captained the country. What do you think? Because I know the bowlers. I know Josh, Mitch, even Scott said it to me, Nathan, that they love having a bowling captain. What do you think you can bring as a bowler, not as you, as a bowler, that helps the team as captain? Yes, uh, I think there's a lot of nuance to bowling that sometimes, well, I think you do miss unless you you have been bowling. So, you know, tactically, I'm sure a batter can be just as good as a bowler, you know, at setting fields and thinking out how to get a batter out. But I think the nuances of even little things, you know, a bowler prefers that end. So just try and keep bowling that end at times or maybe he needs the other end. You know, that he's not clicking that end. Um, tired legs, you know, giving someone an extra sp- over in a spell because that's what they need as opposed to one less over in that spell because they're cooked. There's those nuances that you've that I've been through before. Cameron Green's starting out his career as a bowler. He's almost trying to learn his craft as a bowler on the world's biggest stage. I've been there before. I've 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 had those insecurities. I've tried to find ways and hacks that work for me that I can kind of get through to him, which I think until you've been standing at the top of the mark, looking around going, shit, I don't know where the ball's going. It's really hard to get across. So I think even whether it's right or wrong, just having credibility in some of those things that when I talk to the bowlers hopefully helps. Um, and on the flip side, when it comes to batting, I've got no clue. So I don't even try and enter that space. So then how do you go about um, how do you go about being such great mates with your teammates and then becoming a captain, which is an authority figure? Like how do you how do you juggle some of your best mates you're playing cricket with? But I don't know, as captain, do you, is it your role to pull people in the line or that doesn't happen in modern cricket? Oh, it's certainly your role. If they're stepping outside of what you want them to do um you know with our group that very very rarely happens they're they're just awesome um everyone's bought in um you know really is our team this is how we want to play everyone's bought into that um i've heard a lot of people say you know as captain you've got to be a little bit more removed from your players you you want a bit of separation i don't see that with you no same with you know selectors you hear about selectors and coaches you need that separation i i reckon that's terrible advice um personally and I, I hear it a lot I think there's certainly times you've got to be able to separate you know someone like a Joshy Hazelwood isn't he might be dropped from a test match because we're playing in India and we want to play extra spinners and he's unfortunately the bowler to miss out he's still my best mate <laughs> um, do you, and, do and you deliver that news or does a selector deliver that news uh, it'd probably be selected but I, I think the whole point of and where the benefit is of being close to the guys is you step towards decisions, you step towards, um, you know, helping each other out. Nothing ever comes out of the blue. Um, you know, even people talk a lot about tough conversations. I, I find the closer I am to someone, the easier those conversations are because they're not a one-off. You step towards things. You, it's bit by bit. Um, 
it is a conversation as opposed to a laying down the law. Um, and I hope by being closer, you know, they do the same for me when I need to be pulled into line or I've missed the mark on something. So that that's kind of my vision for the team. And I think the boys have been really good at that in this first kind of 12 months. And it's also way more fun. <laughs> you know, just someone like Scotty Boland coming in and what he did at the MCG, you just see the joy on the boys' faces, on my face as captain. That, that's by far my favourite captaining moment. You know, Pakistan win was amazing. Seeing someone like a Scotty Bowler who's been toiling away in, for Victoria for years and years come out and just have that fairy tale, it's just like it doesn't get any better. That, that moment and I was watching it again on the test and I, I, the one thing that's stuck in my head in commentary in 10 years is looking at Huss and Vaughan and Huss actually saying, Howie, what are we seeing here or what is happening here? <laughs> it was just, it was a random thing for him to say but it was so spot on because it was like nothing we'd ever seen. Like Huss and Vaughan hadn't seen it. They'd seen everything. Yeah. Even uh, like his dad, I think, was working that morning. He was like, oh, I'll drive in a little bit later and missed it all. It's like no one was expecting it. And it's one of those moments as well, like when you get a run of wickets, team always almost goes a bit silent. You're like, we don't want to upset. It's like just <laughs> no one say anything. <laughs> it's too good to be true. And oh, just he's just such a legend, Scotty. Yeah, quiet man, but by geez, he gets some wickets. Back to Pat shortly. Now, we have been very fortunate on this show to feature quite a few men's Australian test captains. Michael Clark, episode 11. Ricky Ponting, episode 20. Tim Payne, episode 57. All there waiting for you to go and listen to. Greg Chappell, episode 124. And my all-time sporting hero, the great Alan Robert Border, on episode 143. My first game as captain of Australia was in Adelaide Oval against the West Indies. And we just had this tradition of inviting a, a special guest to our team dinner. Um, so the captain, you know, said a few words of welcome, blah, blah, blah. And, and you had this uh, special guest and, and the special guest was just there just to have dinner. And uh, the boys would ask a few questions and things like that. So, of course, um, you know, huh. tumultuous times really, wasn't it, uh, with Kim Hughes' yes. resignation and I take over the the reins and sort of um, the, the guest we have for my first test match as captain is Sir Donald Bradman. So oh. I'm absolutely parking tigers, you know. I'm <laughs> very, very nervous about, you know, like, you know, talking to the players, let alone having, you know, the great man there sort of uh, analysing and just listening in. So, yeah, that was a you know, a great experience. But um, he, he was fantastic, uh, I've got to say, Um yeah, very very modern in his thinking. Yeah, he did, he wasn't sort of harping back on you know the good old days and well, you reckon you're facing fast bowling now? You should have you know faced Harold Lard on his bowling body line. You know that type of thing. Uh, he understood the difficulties we were going through facing the West Indies, so he had a really good mindset about uh, all that. Um, and it was just a great night, and and the boys just hammering him with questions about you know body line and. And was he open to answering them? Maybe. Oh yeah, he was he was fantastic and. Um, yeah, I remember Johnny Dyson. Johnny Dyson was like one of these guys who used to sleep with his bat. You know, he was just right. everything was around the cricket bat, the cricket bat. And um, Braddles, um, he asked Sir Donald, you know, how long he'd use a bat for, 
you know, and um, and uh, he'd sort of say, "Oh, a couple of innings," you know, like because uh, I mean, he, he'd getting he'd be getting two hundreds and three hundreds, and yeah, getting. <laughs> doctor said, "Oh." Yes, yeah, so I used to use mine for about over 12 months. He said, oh, well, you've got to score a few more runs, son. Yeah. <laughs> That's Alan Border on episode 143. By the way, if you love your cricket, a podcast recommendation from me to you. It is called Willow Talk. It features a couple of good men, Adam Peacock and Brad Haddon. They deliver fresh cricket observations twice a week. You can find it on the listener app. It is called Willow Talk. If you love your cricket, get your ears around it. All righty, let's get back to Pat. The, the thing that I I only know you from seeing on the cricket field and saying hello and you're always coming to have a chat, but what I didn't realise was the part of you when um, the coach was no longer coaching, and we don't need to go into that. It's been discussed a million times, but um, ex-players were criticising the team's role, your role, and you came out, and I don't have it word for word, well, you probably know better what you said than me about... Um, they're sticking up for their mates and I'm sticking up for my mates Yeah, along those lines. Yep. That was when I thought, wow, this bloke, he's, he's captain. Like that, that hit me between the eyes. When I saw you say that at the press conference, and I saw it again the other day on the test, and I was like, and, you, and the players, you know, Nathan was saying, oh, you know, we all knew straight away then that he, he had our backs. Um, if you can have a seminal moment as a captain right mm. at the start, from the outside looking in, that, that blew my socks off, Paddy. Thanks, mate. It was a real learning time for me as as a captain. Um, probably more so just as a person. Like up until that point, um, for whatever reason, I I basically never had bad press. No. Um, which is great. It's awesome, but it's I mean it's not real. And I think having those moments where there's a lot of people who disagree with something that apparently you've done, or or the way you're going about it, or who you are as a person. It, it was a real like moment of clarity for me where I'm like, okay, well, that's even, even you know, the ex-players who I really admire and, and still do, it was a real moment for me to go, okay, well, not everyone's opinions are equal here. Like we're living and breathing this environment every single day. We're the ones going on the road for 10, 11 months of the year. We're the ones trying our guts out every single day to the be like you know the best we can have the best team we can like doing everything we can. So when when you hear comments, throwaway lines or whatever saying that's the wrong way to go about it, they're doing the wrong thing. How dare they do this? It was a real moment of clarity for me of like, well, respect everything you've done, but unless you're here with us, I just really I think your opinion's off, and. Um, in some ways, it was actually a pressure release for me. I was like, oh, you know, be called every name under the sun here and I'm okay. And the group's awesome for it. Um, you know, the players were in a great space. We're playing really good cricket. I was like, well, if that's the worst I'm ever going to cop and I still know I'm okay about it, not much is really worrying me here. Um, so it was tough. Um, you know, I am don't regret any of it and... I think you know, I'm a more rounded person or, you know, leader for it. I think the, the team's stronger for it. And I think we're we're probably more stronger in what we stand for, who's what who we're playing for, how we're going about it, for what reasons why we're buying into our certain values or a certain way we want to play. So then when you watch the test and you you hear Nathan 
I haven't got exactly what he said, but like he loved what you said. I, I, did, I don't know if your mates have told you that afterwards that you played cricket with after you said it or that's the first time you see it on the test, but geez, they loved it. Like they absolutely <laughs> loved that you went into bat for them and defended them as, the, as their leader. Yeah, no, the boys are fantastic. <clears throat> like, you know, really well supported. They really supported me and probably at the time I didn't really know, but when I look back and I'm like, I, I did need their support. Like um, it meant a lot. It did really, you know, get me through. I just remember thinking like, no, it's my job to be a captain. Like it's my job to take heat if I need to take heat. Like I knew what I'd signed up for. Um so, yeah, it was tough, but uh, like even the cricket side of stuff, it kind of – team just runs itself really out there. Like the boys are pros, so I'm there to help where I can help. But I knew these moments would come up and I was, that was my kind of first moment as captain where I was like, okay, well, this is my job. Like this is essentially why I got given it. My responsibilities with the boys, with the team here. So it's not about trying to please everyone. Uh, I just remember, again, having that real moment of clarity of this is what I've got to do. Follow up from that, you go and win the Ashes 4 0. You've grown up in the backyard playing with your brothers. Then you're the captain. You're the man being handed the urn. What, what was, what's that like? As a bloke that came <coughs> from the team and yeah. thought the jig was up yeah. <laughs> early days. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, if there's certain moments <coughs> that bring me back to childhood. Um, Becoming captain, walking out to the gabba to do the toss in the captain's play, that, that reminded me straight away of being in the living room um, <clears throat> as a kid watching Ricky Ponting do it or Steve Waugh, like first ball of the summer. Um, Ashes series does the same. Boxing Day is the same thing, singing, singing the anthem. But that that Ashes, winning the Ashes, holding the urn, that was a real like wow moment. Like brought me back to my childhood watching the Aussie teams win Ashes. Yeah, and I think as well, like just on behalf of the group, like so many stories within that series. Scotty Boland, Jai Richardson, I think Tool Fifer, Michael Nessel debuted. Uzi came back in the team. Uzi. And we're about to go and embark on a couple overseas tours. And it just felt like a really special moment of, okay, we've got a strong group here, playing really good cricket, really cohesive as well. And I just felt like we're on the cusp of some, some like really special performances. Australian sport in some ways I feel is very old school in the fact that we want our athletes to play sport, that's it. If I look at American sport, I love the American approach to sport about um, like I like the individual celebrations. I like um, players standing up for things they believe in, causes. You obviously have a real love for the environment protecting the environment, moving forward, providing a beautiful planet for Albie and his kids to live in. In Australia, Paddy, that isn't always necessarily viewed as a positive. He's the captain of the cricket team. He can go and play cricket, mate. We, we don't care what you think about the environment. Did you know that was coming and was it a conscious decision to stand up for something you believe in? Like you could stand up for it at home yeah. but you could use your position which is a high position, to go and speak about something you're passionate about. How did you view all that? It, it, well, I've told you what 
I think not that it matters. I, I think it's fantastic that that you're using your position for what I think is good. But then all of a sudden, he's the woke captain, whatever woke means, yeah. etc. <laughs> how did you how did you view all that? How are you viewing all that? Yeah, and well done from where I sit for having the courage of your convictions to put your thoughts out there on something away from what you do as a profession. Yeah, oh, thanks, mate. Um, I find it funny in Australia, like even as a sports person, like we want the sports people to go out there and be the best in the world, like do incredible things, superhuman type of efforts. But we also want them to be the next door neighbour that puts our bins out <laughs> and anything other than that's unacceptable. Mm. And it's they're kind of competing truths sometimes. Um, Very much they are. So I, I think when it comes to anything that isn't cricket, I, I, I kind of knew there'd be some heat, but I, I, I still find it hilarious or sad, depends what my mood is, and just how triggered people get, it, especially around something like climate change. Like it's, I think it's shouldn't be a very divisive topic. You know, we all live on the same planet. I know a lot of people don't wish it's true. doesn't mean it's not true. I'm 100% with you, Patty. So I, I do find it strange at times why there's so much heat in a com- conversation like that. Um, I also kind of think when it comes to, you know, things like this, uh, people have made up their mind before they even get any, any info. So uh, I'm not saying necessarily just on climate change, but... Um, you know, some of the things I've done in that space is been really like private, not public, not putting myself out there to the world. And then, of course, you know, the headlines or whatever people talk about, it's like has me shouting it from the rooftops, um, stopping people in the street, you know, shaking them, telling them about climate change. Like it's, it's so different from what I'm trying to do. So Very different. I think it's... So is it worth it? Is it worth taking a stand that you have is something you're passionate about or all the flat comes your way, is it better to just have your thoughts to yourself? Oh, I think it's worth it for sure. Um, good. But, good. but I can also see why other people don't even want to enter that arena. And, and I, I, I honestly don't feel, um, yeah, I can just totally understand people. Um, it takes strength of character to do what you did, though, because as much as you wouldn't have known the strength of the virility that might come your way, you know it's not going to be all good on you, Patty. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it comes back to, you know, why are you doing things? Who are you doing it for? Um, you know, our, our initial, our, our first year that we've, um, you know, put together this not-for-profit organisation, Cricket for Climate, the the idea and, and what we actually executed was to actually go and fund solar panels for cricket clubs with the purpose, kind of a couple of purposes, one, to reduce their carbon footprint, but two, to actually help out junior cricket. So, How can people bag that? Like, <laughs> like, how can people bag that? Yeah. It's a cricket club. It's the heart of the community yeah. where I live now. Bowen Head's the heart of the community, small town. Like you're trying to help people. And so these are, you know, some of our best male and female cricketers are putting their own money to help fund these communities. For me, that's just like... What an Australian thing to do as well, helping mm. out these communities, giving back. For me, there, there's absolutely nothing but great things about that kind of concept. Um, so, again, any noise, conjecture, stick to cricket when it comes to that and they're kind of attacking that. Again, I just I really don't care. Um, 
I know there was even some heat at the start of the summer around Black Lives Matters and, and the players taking a knee yep. before the West Indies test. And again, any heat against that, it's like we do not care. You know, this is the right thing to do. This is a good thing to do. Um, it might be triggering for some for whatever reason. This is a good thing to do. Um, and, and, yeah, I, you know, I hope other athletes and, and people, and they feel passionately about something and they are making a positive impact, they're not doing it because they're scared. You know, I hope they're still able to do it um, without any fear. Anyone that listening to this conversation, you, you have a listen yourself when you get the spare moment on a plane to India. Have a listen to Michael Holdings' episode on this show if you if you don't understand the Black Lives Matter movement and his explanations blew my socks off. So if people want to follow your journey in climate, what's the website? How do they get themselves seeing what you're doing? Uh, cricketforclimate.org, right. I think it is. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we've got some, some projects in the works. And, um, yeah, again, it's... Hopefully, showing ways to, you know, reduce footprint and hopefully do a, a bit for the planet, but but also, um, you know, meshes really nicely with cricket. You know, mm. trying to give back to grassroots cricket and help the communities that kind of helped us on our journeys. And um, yeah, I think it's a nice story. Some people probably don't, but I, yeah, um, I, I don't. I don't understand the other side of it, Patty. But <laughs> you, you, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. From one extreme to the other, you're sitting there watching, I don't know, are you watching an IPL auction and you get sold in the current world for three-plus million dollars? Are you watching it? Uh, how do you feel about it? What's that moment like? You're not an ostentatious, not an ostentatious man. You're a humble man. Um, is there a responsibility comes with it? Tell me about all of a sudden... $3 million coming your way? Uh, I was definitely watching it on TV. Um, if I'd said to you, if we were having a beer beforehand, I said, oh, Paddy, what do you think you'll get sold for here? What do you think the number would have been? Honestly, you've got no clue going to an auction. Um, I, I think you've got a bit of a sense, like especially those small auctions. Oh, I mean, I would have had been stoked with one vote, but I, I think... Maybe half that amount. Okay. So then uh, are, you, are you there by yourself? Are you with Becky? I think or? Becky would have been there, yeah. Right. So what is that? And, and I say, mate, you, you're not a you're not an over-the-top man, but what is it like when you see your life changing in front of you like that and the opportunities that you can give your family as a result of those changes that are happening literally by the second? Yeah, it's, again, it just... Another moment where you go, how, how lucky am I to be playing cricket hmm. and not having to find a nine to five that I might not enjoy. I, I get to do this every single day. And in the IPL, they don't realise the jigs up either. So you've yeah, got yeah, exactly. Which is nice. Um, so, so I think, yeah, seeing that, it's just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not going to be playing cricket forever. You never know what's around the corner. To have that, it's just like, it's amazing. You know, it really does set yourself up. Even, you know, for for example, this year I've opted out of going to the IPL. It's given me the flexibility to, you know, just you don't – I can pick and choose a bit more. I'm in a really fortunate position to um, prioritise. You know, test cricket, we've got a lot of test cricket this year. We've got an ODI World Cup. I want to keep that at the forefront and have less distractions and yep. – um, 
yeah, again, I just keep coming back to it's just, yeah, we're so lucky to do what we are, um, what we do. And it's just, it's not real world. Like, I don't know, <laughs> still kind of scratch my head thinking how it's been, how I've been lucky enough to be in this position. And do you, do you park at the SCG now or do you still park <laughs> <laughs> and run the two cat? Chauffeur. Right, good, 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 good. Hey, tell me um, if I won't keep you for too much longer. Um, so... Um, the beautifully named Becky Boston. I love the name. I, I've <laughs> met Becky once, um, but I just love the uh, and being a dad. Um, uh, tell me the love love story of Becky. Where did you meet Becky? Uh, mate, we let, um, met at a fine establishment. I think it's closed down now. Kitten Caboodle in Kings Cross right. on a yeah, Sunday evening. Was it like a disco type setup? Or uh, it's like the only nightclub open on a Sunday <laughs> right. night. Oh. So um, okay, so. Um, in a nightclub setup, is Paddy Cummins the at the bar with his mate Josh Hazelwood, or is he out on the dance floor with Usman Kawaja? Ah, uh, at the bar. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm I, terrible I, I dancer. Thought that. Yeah. I thought that. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we met. I was again. I was injured. I mean, the only people in the nightclub on a Sunday afternoon of Sunday evening are. She'd uh, finished work for the week. She was over here on a working holiday from England. And I was an injured cricketer. So we're about the only, <laughs> right. only a handful of us in the bar. And so when she says, oh, what do you do? What did you say? I said I was a student. Um, and then I, <laughs> the, the first time. You're far too humble for your own good. Yeah, I, I just said I was a student. Um, I think I said I'd play cricket, but I was injured and, and probably never went into huge detail. Um, and I ran, ran with that line for a while. And then the first time she came over. I think Binger had just released a book and he'd given me a copy and that was there. And I think DK had just released a book. He'd given me a copy of a book. So I had like two cricket books on, my, you know, on the kitchen bench or whatever. And I had a few cricket bats lying around, a few cricket balls. And I live with my brother and uh, she tells me like, she's like, it wasn't until I found out you played a professional, you know, you're a professional cricket. I used to think, geez, he just bloody loves cricket. <laughs> 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 cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it wasn't until she... A couple of days, whatever, a couple of dates in, she walked past a KFC and I was out the front with a bucket head oh. that she's kind of, oh, he plays cricket but professional cricket. Right, okay. And so um, the addition of a child in your life and you having to spend a lot of time away from that child, how is that going for you? Uh, I'm about to go to India for six or seven weeks without them. Yeah. Um so, uh, and how old's Albie? Albie's fifteen months. Okay, so at that at, at any stage before six, a, a one month period away from your child, there's massive physical changes. Yeah, yeah. So I left. I uh, think I said earlier. I yeah. left um, when he was three days old. So we you know, literally drove back from the hospital. I basically hopped straight on a plane to, to the airport. Um, so Becky, you know, first month was by herself. You know, mum was over, but that was. It was really hard in, you know, not just Albie, but like I probably didn't comprehend fully just how much a toll it takes on the mum. No. I, I don't think anyone fully does until kind of even have a kid, but um, no, just that real, whenever I've been on tour before, you're like, oh, Becky, she'll be fine. You know, she's at home. That was like, oh, wow, I've got a real responsibility and I'm leaving her, I'm leaving Albie. Um, so I, was, I think 12 months in or 15 months in now, um, I feel like I've got much better. You know, I've adjusted even the first 
probably 12 months, there's times where you're like, geez, I'm tired. I just, I just need a day off. Cricket's finished. Like, I just need some time to, uh, to rest. And you're like, well, no, you've got a baby. You've got yes. to look after him. Yes. He needs you. So yes. um, just that adjusting from being a selfish cricketer to being a dad. Um, but I absolutely love it. Like, Jesus, the best thing. They, they were with us the whole um, Aussie summer. Basically, all the families are. Like, so many Marnus and Traphead just had babies in the last few months. Um, yeah. Warners, Kawajas, Carries, they've all got kids. So it's 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 been awesome fun on tour as well. Um, but it just yeah it gets better and better. So I'm going to miss him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll check in after India, see how we go. It's how the first big stint. How long is it? About yeah. six or seven weeks. Right. Yeah. Marnus Lamashan is a father, my God. I just can't. Oh. <laughs> I just can't imagine it. Uh, it's, I, I just, I, I'm sure he's fantastic, uh, no. and he's the most clean living man I know. But far out, no. Seriously, <laughs> Hallie's three months old, and he's already taught her how to feed balls in the bowling machine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and does your little fella, um, like, uh, will he recognise dad on the telly? A little bit, yeah. yeah. It gives it a little bit of dad, dad, dad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Came to a few of the games this year. Um, yeah, it doesn't have a clue what else is going on. But, no. Yeah. Um, along the lines of that, you now get on children. I got a couple more questions for you, Patty. You now get the question from my daughter. Great. Who just turned 13. I've got a teenager in the house, so wow. it's all ahead of you. Look but out. yeah, she's delightful at the moment. She still thinks her dad's wonderful. So <laughs> hopefully I can say that a few years down the track. Her name is Sky Patty, um, but her nickname is The Pickle. And we all watched uh, the test made by the wonderful A.D. Brown um, as a family and loved it. And she's yep. not really into cricket, um, yep. but this is what she's got for you. Hi, Patty Pickle here. We've recently been watching the Test documentary and I think it's really interesting. What I noticed is that you're wearing glasses in some of the parts of the documentary. And what I want to know is do you have to wear contact lenses when you're playing? Great question, Pickle. Thank you very much. observation. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it. Um, yeah, I do. I've do got you? them in today, actually. Right. Um, it doesn't help me bat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need a different <laughs> prescription. Uh, so you bowling them? Bowling them, bat. Um, only about five years ago I started wearing them. It was actually a game at the SCG and I've got like astigmatism. So the lights, right. especially around dusk, I'm not as good. And I was on as a subfield and Virat Kohli was batting and he nailed a pull shot to my left and I went running to the right. Right. And then the next day we nailed a pull shot. I went running to my left and the ball went to my right and I thought, geez, I need to do something about my right <laughs> side here. Right. Um, so it's it's not too bad, but I always wear contacts and then around the hotel because you're always looking at TVs or yeah. screens or something. So I'm, I'm always um, wearing glasses. It's funny because um, last summer during the Adelaide test, the day-night test, in the ashes, I found I couldn't see the ball properly. Mm. And I was like, and I started calling off the monitor. And I always watch the game, unless maybe the spinners box and I just look at the monitor. And I didn't think much of it. And I thought, I'm, I need to get that checked out. And then during the World Cup, um, I worked on the World Cup for the first time for the ICC and loved it. But I stuffed a couple of things up where, like, exactly what you're saying, I lost sight of the ball. Like at one stage, Marshy might have been Afghanistan. He got a top edge and was caught by the wicketkeeper and the wicketkeeper sort of fumbled it and I thought he dropped it and I said he's dropped him then I realised he'd caught him and I was like Egh. 
It's those moments you think, oh, shit, I wish I could have that back in. Yeah, yeah. And then we talked about social media at the start. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of people informing you that you might have got it wrong. And I went and saw an optometrist, Patty, and they just said, and I never saw such a thing. I said, oh, I'm not that keen on glasses. And they've given me a contact lens to wear in just one eye. Oh, right. Yeah. So I put it in one eye. Oh, geez, I can't unsee it now. Oh, well, no. I no <laughs> and I was just in one eye um, and I only wear it at the cricket. Um, I just got to remember to put it in before. Like I rove around with you guys and then I come on because Gilly Norman does the first tint, I put it in. And I was like, wow, how could I actually call it? But it was like I was calling not being able to see the ball. Yeah. Um, bizarre. Um, last one I have for you. And we always finish this way. Um, of... All the things you've learned on your journey, there'll be a lot of kids. We have a lot of kids listening to this show. They yeah. might be going to cricket training or they might be going to become a builder. I always use different examples. They might be going to um, want to work in a restaurant, et cetera. You've achieved tremendous success in your chosen profession. What advice would you give them? And I could have asked you that two years ago. You'd be like, eh. But now that you're a father, the weight of the question normally weighs a little bit heavier. Uh, what would I say? I think just do it your way, I think. Um, you can get caught up in, you know, there's lots of advice there around there. Um, sorry, you're, you're always going to get really good advice or bad advice, but you've got to work out what, what's good for you, what you want to do, what you want to get out of something. Just just do it your own way. Um, you're the best at being you. Um, that's what we try and you know, tell the boys in the, in the change room, you know, you, you bat the way you want to bat. You but I think in life as well, you just do, do it your way. Um, yeah, that's about all I've got. It's great advice. Um, completely random question. Uh, and I loved the opportunity to have a chat with you. Adam Scott came on this show and he talked about um, after he won the Masters, you get to keep the jacket for a year. And like he'd sort of his mates would come around for a barbecue and he'd just sort of leave it on the couch as a joke. And then after a few beers, they'd put it on. Do any of your mates ever wear your Australian <laughs> jacket? Because it is a rude jacket. It or, is a rude jacket. Or do you ever just walk around home in it? No, I don't. Right. But it, it's the same colour as the Masters jacket, isn't it? It's yeah, like it a is. dark green. Yes. Um, no, I, I actually forgot to bring my jacket to the first test this year. Yeah. Because it's like you pack your bags and the big one's always a baggy green. You make sure you bring that. Yes. But I totally forgot that as a captain you better bring it. It didn't even cross my mind. So then what happened? Until it's like 48 hours before and I uh, had to do a you know, photo shoot with the Craig Braithway, the other captain. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll bring you blazer. And I was like, oh, blazer. So um, fortunately the CEO of Cricket Australia was flying over. So he was a mule and brought over my jacket right. the, so the morning of the test match. Yeah. Hey, one, thing I, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I told you this at the ground, and I haven't got the exact memory now, you knocked over Zondo. This is for real cricket nerds now. Oh, yeah. In Sydney when you bowled around the wicket. Yep. Set blokes back like you were going to bowl short and then bowled him an in-swinging Yorker that hit his pad, he was given out, he reviewed it, it was out. And the Crick Viz guys and Laurie Colliver, our gun statistician, told me it is the first time in Australia a right-arm bowler has gone round the wicket and got a batsman leg before wicket since Peter Siddle did it 10 years ago. Yeah. It was the best thing I saw all summer. The skill that you executed in that moment. Thanks, mate. Um, did did Jimmy Anderson get Smithy out? Adelaide Oval, pink ball, round the wicket? 
I don't LBW? know. I don't know. That was after that. I, was, I thought about that, but um, that was a satisfying wicket. So I'll take that. And it was a Yorker. And my first thought afterwards was, "Geez, I wish I could bowl a Yorker like that in T20 <laughs> cricket." But it's <laughs> normally a half volley, and it's gone for six back overhead. That was my first thought. <laughs> but it was, it was. I think I was on radio at the time, and you put an extra fielder back. And I remember thinking or saying, "Whoever I was with, oh, Paddy's put the two back. Watch out for the short ball." And it was just this crushing Yorker that swung in. It was, I don't know if it gets much better, but in all those years of practice, I, I presume that's what you're practising to be able to do, execute something like that in a test match. Yeah, I think the most satisfying wickets are when you create something out of nothing. Yeah. Like you know, getting someone caught behind, of course, is awesome. But when you feel like you've thought out a batsman and everything's come together, um, so that, that one was really satisfying for that reason. Like a, the wicket was pretty flat. And I thought, oh, let's try this random stuff. And it probably comes off one in a hundred times. So, yeah, that was a nice one. Paddy, good luck in India by the time. We haven't even spoke about India, but um, I wish you all the best. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, you've got such a wonderful team of men and I think you're all fantastic role models for all the kids growing up out there. And I hope people realise that and get an understanding of what you're all about by having a listen push on, um, have many more kids and play lots of cricket and I hope life <laughs> keeps you happy and you continue to bring joy to people's world, mate. You're a star. Thanks, Howie. Thanks for having me on. Great to chat. Pat Cummins. How good is Pat? Came on the show at the drop of a hat. He spoke his mind. He was entertaining. May he have every success on and off the park moving forward. Thanks to Tommy, MJ and Das for getting it done as always. Thank you to all you cool cats for tuning in. Please, if you could spread the word about the podcast, that would be fantastic with your crew. Until next week with Lauren Jackson, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try